Evening everybody, Lee here. Uh, our regular listeners will know that we recently did a Supernatural Stories episode, or not, depending on your beliefs. Uh, but it seems to have gone down quite well, and we've spoken to a few people who said they've got interesting stories of their own. So, as we tempted the idea at the end of our last episode, we're going to do a follow-up at some point. So if any of you have uh, stories of your own that you think would be interesting, that you wouldn't mind us sharing with the listeners... Uh, feel free to either record them and email them over to us at info at welcometohorror.com or otherwise you can type them out and send them to us and we will read them out on the show. Uh, If you'd rather not use your name, we will use your first name otherwise, but if you'd rather go under an alias, include that in the message and we'll be sure to use that. Thanks very much and enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. And we are here, as promised, this evening to discuss uh, the 2016 M. Night Shyamalan movie, Split. Um, we There will be spoilers, there will be swearing, and just to warn you, uh, obviously, as this is part of a trilogy, we will be discussing the other movies later on, and there will be spoilers for those as well. So, so that's if you an have unbreakable on glass that yes. we might be spoiling mm. as well. <laughs> um, so, uh, Chris, as this was your first viewing, I'm guessing of Split. What did you make of it? Is is it going to be predictable? My answer, <laughs> do you think, at this point? So it's got Anya Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she was in it. That was a lovely, pleasant surprise. You know. Um, fantastic she was and now i've heard you mention him several times james mcavoy i totally recognized him when mm. i saw him i don't know where else i've seen him he's young charles xavier in is the you know when the in x-men when they started doing first class like they sort of went back uh, younger so it's been he, a long time but that is sounding Okay. Yeah, so he's, that could Deadpool be it then. That role as well. Sorry? Was he in it? I was going to say, did he come out in Deadpool as that character as well? There was a point yeah, where he's in, past he's... the door and he sort of, it's him and he sort of pushes the door shut so you oh. can't see which X-Men are in the room. Yeah, he's Dead, Deadpool 2. He's in, yeah. like, but he, yeah, so he's in First Class, Days of Future, Past and Apocalypse. Okay, so he wasn't And, in and Dark Phoenix. Hmm. Um, he's there's a really good film with him, The Last King of Scotland, which is absolutely fucking amazing. Which is about not a horror, not not a horror. Well, to not a horror to a certain extent, it's basically it's about a guy who ended up as Idi Amin's official physician and uh, Idi Amin, interesting fella. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's in it. He's apparently he's Mr. Tumnus in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know which version of the line the witch in the wardrobe that is okay because there's been about a hundred um he's he's ups guy in muppets most wanted <laughs> um, but also he was in uh he sort of made his name in shameless uh mm. i never guy. saw that actually Aerials. 
you never see. All right, oh, okay. I know that that I meant to watch and didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, early doors, state of play. Um, mm. Okay, so so we haven't watched. No, I don't we've think much. we've uh, we've discussed films he's been in because as Adam yeah. said, he was in the the It remake. But yeah, mm-hmm. but he's very memorable. And I, I mean, this like surely he won an award for this. I know. No, I know. Surprisingly enough, no. I mean, seriously, like this—this this must have been such a fascinating um, character characters to to play. Like when you're shown the script as an actor, I wonder how, like, to just be able to change so much and the expression—it's like it's mad. It, yeah, he's I put thought... so much into the tiny mannerisms and yeah. everything of every character, and to be able to switch from yeah. one to the other almost instantly is mm. phenomenal. And they do credit in the end credits. They credit him with all the personalities. Mm. <laughs> okay. So he's credited as Dennis, Patricia, Hedwig, the Beasts, Kevin, Wendell, Crumb, Barry, Orwell, and Jade because they're the mm. ones that we see in it. Yeah. And um, well, I wonder but, what that does to you. I wonder if it did actually affect him in some way. I think it's one of those things, though. When for 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 actors, I think it's one of those. It's like when every sort of long-running TV show, especially like sci-fi and things like that. Mm. They always have to do evil doppelgangers. Because uh, yeah. I think it's like it. the actors like it because it's like, no, I get to do something else. Yeah. But I do suspect that this is this is one of those things where it's like actors are really sort of like would be champing at the bit to give it a whirl and sort of like, because it's, mm. it's a challenge, but it's also yeah. quite... Because, I mean, to be fair... It's quite a showy performance, but there's it's the only way you can do it. Yeah. You can't it's it's the wrong sort of film to for it to be subtle, and I don't know how subtle you could do it. Mm. If you see if you see what I mean. Not to say I think it's it's an amazing set of fucking performances. Mm. Um and the the curious thing is is that he does I mean, you you can't you like Hedwig. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But this, so some of the you sort of do get the um, <laughs> just reminds me of you the know, dubstep you, dancing you, beer. You <laughs> develop well, Kanye's is, is Kanye's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kanye's my boy. But um, also, and this is just uh, just as a, a reflex back to um, Moss Eisley Happy Hour. Mm. I did notice that Patricia sounds an awful lot like Obi Wan Kenobi, as played by Ewan McGregor. <laughs> so I can only assume that it's Hollywood Scots playing posh yeah. people. That's the voice. That's clearly. how it comes out. Yeah. She didn't say hello there, but I was hearing it. So, <laughs> but but then I think, weirdly enough, I think you also get the the absolute contrast with Anya uh, Taylor Joy, hmm. where it's. You know, it's a really quiet performance. Mm. It's a very still. She sort of she thing. does that and, really well, but it re- but it's such a good contrast. But yeah. she never gets. She's never overwhelmed by mm. acting against someone doing like yeah. nine different people. Yeah, you know, and it seemed to work so well. Yeah, and actually, I. I'd forgotten watching it. I'd forgotten that it's like, it's basically a two hour film, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like two hours. And if someone said, oh, it's yeah. essentially five people yeah. in two locations for two hours, mm. that sounds like that's that's got to have dead time and it doesn't. 
it yeah, sounds grueling and this doesn't have any any drop beats in it at all it's just yeah it's just all go all the time even the, the even the more subdued scenes mm. that's when your brain's going so it doesn't feel like you're bored or you've got any downtime in it like you, you're constantly thinking ahead and again with the characters as well you know the the way that he speaks to a Karen the doctor yeah she knows that some of his personalities pretend to be other personalities that, like, yeah that was so good oh. all of that side of it yeah absolutely yeah, actually I mean that's 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 um uh Betty Buckley um mm. is she's really good in it i didn't realize she's the um you know the nice teacher in carrie oh yeah you know there's the one teacher who's not a cunt to carrie <laughs> in carrie that's her is it oh wow but yeah um and she's also in the happening one of another m night Shyamalan's. i, um, I totally skipped that oh fair enough to but, be fair, I skipped this for ages. I didn't see this for a couple really? of years after it came out because um, everyone was talking about it. Uh, and it was one of those films where I thought I knew what was going to happen to the point. Mm. I was like, oh, it's just a deranged killer and he's got multiple personalities and it's going to be really like not quite torture porny, but that type of thing. So I, I was like, mm. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me. And it, I didn't watch it for such a long time. I can understand that. Like, I really liked the fact that they didn't take that potential side of it too far because early on, it's like, yeah, how, where's this going to go? That opening abduction is mm. horrific. Yeah. And and actually, I mean, I think they, again, it's something we've talked about before. You are in no doubt about, particularly like the flashback stuff, mm. You're, you know, of Casey's life, with her yeah. abusive uncle. Uh, uncle you yeah. are not you're not in any doubt as to what's going on there mm. but it's not it's presented in a way that gives you enough information and makes it yeah. horrible without actually yeah needing to go there to, yeah. Know, face. yeah and i think that similarly there is a level of restraint within the film for what it is you know for, mm. for what it is which is let's face it it's on the on the surface, it's basically an exploit. It, it's an exploitation sort of like you know, oh, mental case kidnaps girls film. Mm. You know, for want of a sort of better term for it. Mm. And I think, uh, and actually, like a lot of films of this, you know, this sort of nature nowadays, it does get a lot of flack from the point of view of presenting mental illness in that well, uh, way. But yeah, it, I was wondering. But it's but it's, I mean, it's like especially after. I was talking about the voices. I was, yeah. you know, I was sort of conscious of that watching it. I was thinking, like, and I've loved the the interactions between the therapist um, and Kevin. And mm. uh, but yeah, I was sort of, th- you know, as you're going through, you're thinking again, how accurate is this? You know, I, I'm assuming it's dramatized. I'm assuming it is more extreme mm. than often would be portrayed. And of course, it certainly is with the Beast. And in a way, I, I sort of, I wasn't sure if I'd like that element because it's like I kind of think they have presented a lot. Is perhaps somewhat accurate. Um, well, for, I mean, from what I gather, and obviously, uh, sh- shock, shock horror for listeners. We're not mental health experts, <laughs> but from what I sort of, from what I understand of uh, DID, like mm. um, dissociative identity disorder, which is 
the the term now for what used to be called split personality yeah. and multiple personality disorder and um in an absolute fucking sort of horror show of also termed schizophrenia even though it is a completely different, different yeah. condition whatsoever but somehow that got linked up that mm. schizoid meant split personality or dual personality or something like that um but from i mean from sort of like reading about it there is a lot of it seems to be that that for as many people who are advocating for it as an existence there are also those that don't feel it's an actual condition Hmm. and actually there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of people who are referring to it essentially they're saying a bit like um Oh, what's it called? A bit like repressed memory syndrome. They, a lot of people are saying it's like iatrogenic, like it's a a, a doctor, a, like it's produced a, a by false memories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's basically the doctor sort of imposing the diagnosis on the yeah. patient, who then exhibits the behaviours. Mm. Um, but I mean, regardless of whether that is the case, whether it's something that doctors are forcing onto patients, or whether the it's phenomenon something can still happen. That actually does happen yeah if you're suffering from it it's yeah you're still suffering from it it's it's not a and there does seem to be at least anecdotal evidence of Mm. as they describe in the film like physiological changes yeah well yeah that is an interesting aspect to it but Mm. apparently um the inspiration for it um m night sharp uh inspiration was uh, I don't know if you're aware of it. There's a guy, there was a case, it was a guy called Billy Milligan. And he was basically, I've jotted down some bits on him. Um, and it was kind of like a fate, it was like the first famous case of DID. Mm. Um, he was a convicted armed robber and rapist in Ohio. And he was arrested in 1977 as um the campus rapist after he committed a series of kidnapping and rapes of female students attending ohio ohio state university while he was on parole so he'd already been he'd already been arrested for um uh, armed robbery and rape and stuff um and then while they were preparing his defense case he was diagnosed essentially he was diagnosed with did Mm. and that so he was so he had a plea of not guilty due to reason of insanity and he and Billy himself was maintaining that the crimes had been committed by his alters. Mm. So he was not guilty. It was other personalities that had committed those crimes. Um, and actually the defence worked. Yeah, it's he funny, isn't down- it? Because that, I don't know about you, but it makes you feel like that seems like an excuse somehow, it, doesn't it? It seems but- like well, the system has failed because one well, way or the other, that yeah. person shouldn't be out in public. Yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was found not guilty, but he was committed to the mental health system. Oh, okay. So yeah. he wasn't out, you know, but um, it was committed to mental health facilities until such time as he regained sanity, as it was <laughs> in 1977. Mm. Um, he had initially they identified 10 personalities that expanded mm. to 24 as he was going through the sort of hospitals, like the psychiatric system. Um, and again, it was because he allegedly had a shockingly abusive childhood. Yeah. Um, and which seems to be in cases of DID, that does seem to be very much the the factor that the, the factor that plays in is yeah. basically. I mean, you could imagine that would mess 
your brain. Oh yeah, and severely, it's yeah. and it's basically it's as a it's on it's a protection, it's a safety yeah. valve. If you mm. you generate some, something so that you are not be, that is not being experienced by you, the other yeah. step in the way to take that on your behalf almost. Mm. Um, but um, so then Daniel Keyes, who wrote the science fiction novel Flowers for Algernon. Published a book in 1980 called The Minds of Billy Milligan, which is kind of also what brought the case to the public. Mm. But that meant that he became what can only be described as a celebrity patient. Yeah. So he got a lot more privileges than a lot of people. He got a lot more leeway than a lot of patients who were in there. And at one point, I believe they moved him to a different hospital because he was probably responsible for, for some sexual assaults that had taken place off site near mm. to the hospital mm. so they kind of i think they were like right we'll, we'll we'll shift him along it's someone else's problem we can't prove anything but also we don't want to highlight the fact that this guy who should be under lock and key regardless of whether it's you know it, within the mental institution yeah. is actually having a lot i mean at one point apparently he got arrested because the passenger of his car fired a shotgun at someone and it's like He's driving around in a fucking car with passengers. What the fuck? You know, this is with not... a gun. That, yeah, yeah this doesn't feel so, you know. Um, and then in 1986, he escaped and lived under the name Christopher Carr and probably murdered his roommate mm. um, of the time. So, that, I mean, it seems like a lot of... And basically, he was only recaptured after authorities were investigating this guy's disappearance and found... Billy Milligan, or as he was calling himself, Christopher Carr, had mm. sold this guy's car and was cashing his war checks and pension and mm. disability allowance and stuff like that. And that's what got him brought back in. And then in 1988, he was diagnosed as, in inverted commas, solid and was discharged. And then, uh, oh, lovely. Someone's written flaps and an erect cock on the bottom of my notes here. I can only <laughs> assume that that's my good lady wife. Um <laughs> And then he scientific advisor. Yeah, my scientific advisor's drawn a cock and flaps <laughs> on here. That's nice. There's semen emanating from the crown. The guy's got talent. Um, <laughs> and then he lived with his sister and was trying to get a film made of his life on the basis of the book. Hmm. Uh, eventually died in 2014. Um, so, but that was the case that kind of inspired. Yeah. Uh, like the thing and and it sense. was one of those things where I, I believe there's actually there's a series called the crowded room that's i think it's on apple or something like that which i think mm. is the adaption of the case like okay. so it's so it's still quite a sort of big sort of um thing you, you, you know like it was but that was like the famous thing that brought it to the public's yeah. awareness um but it's as i say i mean clearly for sufferers of it, and I can, you know, you understand. You don't, from the point of point of view of mental health practitioners, you know, making someone the villain and claiming that it's because of mental health issues, hmm. you know, it's a dodgy area. Hmm. But equally, you know, I think within the this film is looking at something slightly different. Is the film is actually interested in the condition and the way. And okay, you know, it's done, but it's for me, it feels a bit like psycho. Mm. It's like, you know, it's yeah. a thriller, but it's it's not necessarily saying that, you know, there's an army of 
DID sufferers out there who are kidnapping girls no. to sacrifice yeah. them to one of their altars. Um, it's, but, you know, but it, it is, and it is a fascinating subject, morbidly fascinating or not, you know. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. One, you know, whether it's, whether it's casual interest or actually you're taking an interest, you know, it's still something that is quite a fascinating and resonant thing. And within the wider context, it really is quite a important part of the the trilogy, as I said. Yeah, yeah. So, But, but so as a trilogy that stands on its own, I think mm. it is a really good oh, yeah. thriller. So is it because you don't, so you only get a hint that there's something else at the end. Yeah, so the, the whole so, rest of the film could so be absolutely just be standalone. Came out first, mm. okay. which is the film with Bruce Willis, mm. uh, where they first introduce him. Uh, again, he he's a kind of regular guy. Mm. He survives a train crash that he shouldn't have. That nobody else survived. Okay, and then he gets it in his head that he's some kind of superhero. Well, and he, he starts he, testing himself. He gets someone contacts him who. Um, is a uh, comic book fan and it's uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character mm. and he basically is someone he's got brittle bone disease okay. and he's of the opinion that if he exists there's some there's probably someone who's at the opposite end of the spectrum of someone who is unbreakable yeah uh, okay. so he but he sort of filters it through how comic books have done and so in a weird way uh unbreakable is like an origin story for bruce willis's character as he discovers that he is a superhero essentially mm. um and it's not and it's not just that he is tough it's like they work out that he's never been ill and mm. he's never you, you know and and actually they also realize because he's uh the character in it is a security guard yeah. And he, they sort of realised that he has essentially a sixth sense. To, mm. Pardon the pun, obviously. Wait, and um, that, yeah, no, that just reminded me. So that is actually the other M Night film, isn't it? Sixth sense. Yes, yeah. So, <laughs> so he did basically. M Night did. Um, I think he did like two romantic comedies, and then did the Sixth Sense. Yeah. And then Unbreakable came out. Now the weird thing is, is Unbreakable okay. is essentially a superhero movie. But it was mm. it came out in two thousand, and mm. at the time the studio were like, "No, we're going to market this as a supernatural thriller because superhero movies are shit and no one watches uh, them because okay. studios yeah. really can predict things so well." <laughs> well, so, no, yeah, but, so when when did the superhero Harry, thing kick off? It was like a year after that. Bearing in mind it's Buena Vista, so that's fucking Disney. So it's Disney who are like, nah, superhero movies aren't worth jack shit. Mm. It's like, oh, well, that that explains why you paid through the nose for fucking Marvel then, doesn't it, mate? <laughs> but it's so, but yeah, at the time. But it doesn't it feel like a superhero movie, to be fair. Like, it's very, no. it is like a guy who's discovering that he's got these kind of abilities. But as you say, not like in a Spider-Man type. Oh my god! Look at that type. Like it's very grounded and realistic, which is why I like it's, it so much. It's very Watchmen. It's yeah. that thing like Watchmen is of like what happens if there's superheroes in the world, but this is much more on the mundane level of what if you discover you're a superhero and what yeah. does that mean? Because the world doesn't have 
superheroes. You know what I mean? It's like mm. sort of Watchmen's the extrapolation of where would you be in the eighties if the superheroes of the thirties, etc., had been around and built <laughs> up this whole situation. Whereas Unbreakable is basically, oh, it's the year two thousand, and by the way, you might be a superhero. Yeah, and it's very sort of domestic. It's very low key. Um, and the weird thing was is because I, I wanted to see Split and then the internet obviously was not going to let that go that this turned out to be a 16-year a later stealth sequel to Unbreakable <laughs> mm. by the fact that Bruce Willis's character, David Dunn, turns up at the end of it. Yeah. And um, so it was... so. When I wanted to see Glass, because I really wanted to see, uh, sorry, when I wanted to see Split, um, I then watched Unbreakable because Unbreakable had been a film that was on my radar, and then I just forgot about it because it was like, mm. like I said, I didn't see The Sixth Sense because I worked out the twist, and then oh, when, oh, when, when you said that the other day, though, I was thinking, is it worth watching again? Like, I'm so tempted to watch it because I've, I've only seen it once. It does sort of seem like totally know, not worth it, remember. but. I don't know. I've never had the motivation, yeah. but but then curiously enough, with um with Unbreakable, when I read a bit, I remember reading reviews of it at the time, and actually it didn't do as well because it wasn't another Sixth Sense. It was something mm. different. Um, because how dare people do that? <laughs> you know, because you'd rather because basically what I'd rather is someone took a shit in my hands and then did it three times a day for the rest of my fucking life, and it was exactly <laughs> the same with the same bit of sweet corn in there. You know. Right, but anyway, that's me and the rant. But I think that um, so I'd wanted to. What I thought, oh, I'll definitely check out Unbreakable when I get the chance. Hadn't, and then I was like, well, I don't want to go into Split because I didn't know quite how. And literally, it's that sort of the film ends, the word Split comes up, and then you get that little sequence. Yeah, it's not so like post credits or anything. It's right there. Yeah. It's right there, but it's but also that's literally the connection mm. as from the rest of the film. You don't sort of there's not like actually there is one thing. Uh, M Night uh, Shyamalan is Eden Split. He's he, the guy who he's, who she's going through the with the camera. You know, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. He's got the food from it, but here's the best bit. He does turn up in Glass, and he's in Unbreakable. And in Unbreakable, um, he plays a guy that Bruce Willis nearly busts at the football stadium where he works security as a drug as a drug dealer. Oh, which he then and mentions in Glass. He mentions it in Glass that he is. Oh, yeah. I, no, I remember. Yeah, yeah, I turned over a new leaf. I was having a bad, and it's basically that he nearly got busted, and so he. Um, decides to get out of the game and then he ends up as the security guard at Dr. Fletcher's apartment building. Mm. And um yeah. So so technically there are there are some links, but um and um and in actual fact, as I say, in Unbreakable there's bits where Bruce Willis works out that is it as he if he comes into physical contact with people, he can sometimes tell if they've committed a criminal act or they're gonna commit a criminal act or whatever like that. Mm. And at one point, there's a sequence where he just touches loads of people and he gets loads of flashes of what <laughs> evil shit people have done. Yeah. One of them is a woman who is knocking her kid about. 
Uh, and right. fan theory has gone that it's meant to Seems be plausible. Kevin's mum. Yeah. Ah, but, I mean, there's, yeah. but there's nothing to... I don't think it's the same actress. I don't think it's, there's anything to suggest that mm. other than it sort of would fit in and there are other linking sort of areas and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I think I, that... I was going to say, I just... I, yeah, I, I know you mentioned earlier about the fact that it's so, so few actors in this film... Um, I was the same as you, um, Chris. Like anything that Anya Taylor Joy is in is always because I know she's always, despite her age mm. and the fact she hasn't really been doing stuff for that long. I say that I'm an old man. She probably has been <laughs> for a decade now, and it feels like. She's really <laughs> well, but it's crazy how young she is in The Witch now. So yeah, yeah. She always gives such a stellar performance. Like all, yeah, um, yeah, and I thought she was so well cast in this. For That's that. it. I, th- I think she's like the. the type of performance she does just seems to fit the films perfectly she does seem to get cast you know just right well well also the really good thing is she's playing uh have you heard they're doing a a, a prequel to mad max thunder road oh, and it's no. the story of furiosa like uh charlie's theron's character yeah. and anya taylor joy is playing furiosa mm-hmm. oh that is so I think that's amazing yeah. can't wait for that but also, I think that what I love as well is you've got that contrast in this of survival from childhood yeah. trauma where Casey has gone a different route. Mm. and But Casey knows how to survive the situation. Yeah. And actually, at first, you're kind of like not on, you're not with her. Because the other two girls are like, well, if we hit him with a chair or whatever like that. Yeah. Whereas she's got like, look, I've been here. We are, you know, you find your opportunity. Mm. You, you know, yeah. it doesn't, it's not going to go as you think it's going to go. I think she actually says that. At one yeah, point. she does. And and that's, that's what got me was to, to the first 20 minutes of the film, I was convinced that she'd had, an experience with this guy before and he targeted her because she seemed so knowing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then seeing that development of how actually it's not, she just, she's been in horrible situations yeah. before yeah. and she knows what to do, especially that point when he, it, when he first tries to take that girl out and she says, just pee on yourself. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Oh, she obviously knows something. It's like, Oh no, she, she does in the wider sense of the thing, but she doesn't, mm-hmm. She doesn't know yeah. him specifically. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, again, that threw me. Despite the fact I've seen it, it's still through <laughs> a loop again. That um, also, I think it's very interesting that there's the bit when, there's the thing from when she's a kid, when she pulls a gun on her uncle. Yeah. And obviously, there's a part of you that's like, yeah, blow that fucking nonsense head off. Yeah. But mm. it's kind of like, where does that leave a little kid? In terms exactly. of, I, say, I had, exactly, I had yeah. exactly the same thought. I was like, "Oh, she should have just blasted him," and it was like, "That is, that is the first thought." Yeah, but then, then you realise, like, but then she it's loses a lot her more dad. So yeah. if he wasn't there, despite the yeah. fact he's abusive, she mm. would have just ended up in the system and stuff. And you like, yeah. she'd probably end up in the system if she'd have killed him anyway, because it would have yeah. been like, you know, that's the thing. She would not have been with her dad, you know. Mm. But also, it's interesting that she doesn't fucking hesitate to shoot Kevin. Yeah, because it's like you're you're in that position, and it's like right, okay, no, 
This Black is what I've got to do. Afforded this opportunity. Yeah. As it turns out, you can't kill the can't beast. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> because the beast has, because the beast is fucking super Superpowers. strong. Yeah. Well, actually, because because the thing is, it's meant to be that he's like an amalgam of all the yeah creatures in the zoo. Yeah. And um, I because I don't know. You, there's the term pachyderm for um, like elephants and rhinos, where it's that very thick skin. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't realise that that's actually it. It translates to strong wall. Mm. That's where the origin of that word comes from. But again, he develops that sort of. So he's he's essentially armoured. Yeah. And his physical changes. I know we've said about James McAvoy and how absolutely astonishing his performance mm. in this film. But even his like his physical appearance. Yeah, when he goes from, you know, his his other characters basically. To being, they must have literally just given him a load of weights, and he just got a massive pump on, <laughs> and then they just because like he's he looks massive, but then when you see him as the other characters, he doesn't, and I don't think mm, it's CGI. Yeah. I think they've literally just. Well, I'm assuming they shot them so that I, the, the shots where he's playing Patricia and stuff are earlier on, and then they've probably mm, got him to bulk up as the film's gone. Because it must it must be said that by the time for. I think for Glass, he's really gone for it mm. because he's going to be portraying the it, it, again. Spoiler alert! But he pl he plays the Beast more okay. in, in Glass. That that personality comes out more. Mm. So I think that for that, he has really bulked up, and it's noticeable that he is a lot heavier set than he is in this. Mm. Um, but I think that is just because it's like no, you you've got to be able to sort of especially because it's like broad daylight and stuff like that there's nothing that can be yeah. suggested or whatever like that you're either a big bastard or you're not and it's yeah. a, and interestingly enough this was some one thing that i did see about you know like what might have been or whatever like that with it is uh whacking phoenix was offered the part mm. and as they put it they, they couldn't reach a contractual agreement which i assume means he was asking for too much money yeah but I'll be honest, Wacken Phoenix, I can see it from the point of view of he's a fucking amazing actor. Mm. And obviously, he's done his own villain origin story now because he's done Joker. Mm. And, you know, I think he would be able to do it. But I, I'll be honest, I don't know that he is going to look that imposing. No. Because he is not, I don't think he's got the frame to build on, if you see what I mean, that he would mm. look like that. But again, none of having... the character, none of the apart from the beast, obviously, none of the personalities turn into kind of caricatures. He just gets that mm. balance right. So, like Patricia, isn't kind of over the top, and no. like yeah. he, he keeps it fairly grounded. Um, yeah, and I think someone like Joaquin Phoenix, as fantastic as he is, I think of might have gone more over Too the shallow. top. With, yeah, exactly, yeah. and then it loses all of its not believability. But, but it is something about it being feeling realistic to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And and actually, I mean, originally, uh Kevin Wendell Crumb was in was gonna be an unbreakable. Mm. Um and, and I wanna quote him exactly wherever he is. Uh where did he just, it's, um so he said so uh Shyamalan said about split, most of what you saw was written fifteen or sixteen years ago. I slid it out, always intending to make it another movie. Mm. So originally, all the stuff that sort of then turns up in this and turns up in Glass was going to be 
in Unbreakable. So it was going to be you'd have the superhero figure and then the super villain yeah. figure. Um, but he decided that Unbreakable worked better as an origin story. So I agree with that. I think it made mm. the right call, making them two completely different movies. Yeah. And just dropping that little 10 seconds at the end that just makes you go, oh, shit, they exist in the same universe. I tell you what, that is the one thing I would have loved. I'd love to know how that felt for people who, you know, have sort of people, fans of Unbreakable films of, because this was kind of like his comeback film, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, this was the one where everyone was like, oh, no, he's done. This is a, a really effective thriller. And it's, you know, it's not good. And then kind of there is a twist ending, but the twist ending is, oh, by the way, this is a sequel to a film that you possibly didn't watch 16 years ago. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I had seen Unbreakable a few times and I didn't realise that that scene was in there. So when I saw it the first time, I was one of those lucky people who was like, because <gasps> yeah, it got to the end and I was like, oh, man, there was no twist. And then they did that. And I was like, yep, yeah, no, got me. Totally got me. Yeah. That's hell of a twist. And and that is playing the long fucking game as well. Yeah. So, but um but no, I mean I think that it I enjoy it as part of its whole thing. Yeah. But as as a standalone film, I think it fucking works as well. Mm. Yeah. 100%. Which is yeah. Excellent. Right. So that definite recommend from all of us. Uh, I, I'd say the whole trilogy is a recommend, to be honest. Yes. Um, this is my favourite of them, but uh, yeah, I I I think I, I need to possibly watch them all again in a in a proper order at some point as a bit of a marathon. So I will definitely well, it motivated watch it me two. to finish it off and watch Glass finally, mm. and I'm I'm pleased I did. Yeah. And I want to watch some more other, some other M Night Sh- Shire Malan. Yes. Now what Apparently was it? It was Cabin in the Woods. Shyamalan. Okay. Shyamalan. Yeah. Um. Was it not Kevin? No, in the woods? not Kevin in the woods. Uh, oh, you're thinking of the one you mentioned. Oh, God. the visit. No, it was. It was something the, to do with Kevin. It was awful. The one. Oh, I don't want to Don't want to give it away. Knock at the cabin. Oh God, yes, oh, yes. that's the one that you were talking one. about. I wasn't yeah. even thinking of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, but you've that's... also got signs, the village, lady in the, the water, the happening, uh, the visit. Okay. Old. Yeah. Three of those are good films, I think. Yeah, well, that's it. You said it's sort of 50-50. It is, but again, yeah. when he gets it right... Mm, he really gets it, it right. He gets it so right, you're like, I might have watched two shit films. Like, I might have watched Lady yeah. in the Water. But that's, to be fair, like, you've got to take risk. You've got to try things. It doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. I would rather someone yeah. like did this yeah. and did Definitely. loads of stuff that didn't work, and then when they get it, they get it right, rather than just mm. playing it safe all Trying the time. Trying to do exactly and, the same, and yeah. And like Adam said, yeah, you just end up with this vanilla... <sighs> Yeah. Constant everything. You end, up with, you end up with the Sixth Sense Part Seven. Mm. Yeah. And, at which point, no one gives a fuck. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Uh, go and check out those movies. We're doing what we've been watching for our next episode. So, I, I've been I've been a busy little boy, and we've still got two weeks to go. So, uh, yeah. yeah, plenty to look forward to. Thanks very much for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night.